Todd and Rob in the afternoon. Hey, afternoon delight. With Todd and Rob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we are. We're back live with the new media show after being off for NAB and quite the catastrophe that happened there with our recording. Uh, yeah. what, what is what is the deal with us trying to get a recording out of an event? Yeah, it has been a little bit of a hit and miss type of situation, hasn't it? Yeah. That was so, a great session. Yeah, we, it was. We had a really, really great session at NAB, and you walked away, and the SD card was... It was all hiss, yeah. Right. So were they? did they even feed us? It doesn't look like they even fed us the right audio. And, of course, with not being able to get in there and test beforehand, that's part of the challenge. Yeah, that's... That's the real challenge is that, you know, really most of the sessions that were done on the same kind of track that we were doing at the NEB uh, were not recorded. Um, so trying to record our show was a little bit of a, of an anomaly to their normal process. And that's usually where we run into problems is when we're trying to do stuff um, by hacking the the system and right. trying to put a zoom recorder on it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, so, not yeah. only that, I came back and, uh, Monday I did my regular show and <laughs> went live to get ready to go live and Twitter shut down their creator's studio. So I guess I've got to find a new way to stream on Twitter. It's, they want you to do it on the app, not via RTMP and looking at the, Face are actually the Twitter questions about it. There's a lot of pissed off people. A lot of people got the plug pulled and they're all trying to figure out how, how to, and, and, and there's nary a word on what they've done. So I don't know if they've just completely shut it down. So part of Elon Musk antics, I guess. And, you know, I, I pay for a blue check mark on geek news and, yeah. uh, I, don't think I do on new media show, but it's was one of those things where just, uh, you know, I guess we're done on Twitter for a, a stage. So, so now we're just going to be on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook and live stream. So yeah, well, that's, that's, and, that's quite a few. And I was looking at, uh, cloud Wilder today. And for some reason it won't connect to our, page on Facebook. So I need to go look and see what's going on with the new media show page on Facebook to figure out why it won't connect either. So I don't know if they just limit the number of pages. I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that's got me bamboozled, but guess what? 99.99% of people that listen to the show, listen or watch post anyway. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. That's true. I'm curious if that breakage has an impact on, you know, like a stream yard or a riverside or some of these folks that are, that are, that have API relationships with, uh, you know, these platforms. So well, it's not, of, it's not API. It's, it's oh, RTMP. It's, not, okay. it's, it's okay. yeah, it's, there's no API interconnection unless they've made some other type of integration deal, but you still yeah, I would think though, at, at the kind of scale that these guys are doing on these, um, on these live video streaming platforms that they may have a, a better connection than the just a, only connection yeah. that we make to you still, it's still a manual process. Uh, 
even Facebook is the only one that authorizes you to authenticate and it pre-fills the data in the, um, mm. in the streamers. YouTube. So, is, so like a stream yard doesn't, uh, or, a, 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 a Riverside or, a you know, those kind of platforms, they, you they, have to manually configure it. Yeah. Them, if you, if you, if you authenticate with Facebook, you don't have to manually configure it, but if you're going to be doing YouTube or Twitch, all those, you have to manually put in the configurations. You got to put in your, you got to take the, the streaming data you get from just like here. If I look at YouTube, it's basically got, well, cause yeah, cause I, I created an account in StreamYard, and I went through and I just logged into my account, which account um, in my, my Twitter account or my uh, YouTube account. And it, and it, it automatically sets it up. Hmm. That's so, a new one because before when I used StreamYard, it was all manual. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you go look at it today, I've got in an account that I have set up in StreamYard right now, I can just click a button, log in with my, my username and password to my account um, at each of these platforms. And you're all set up to do the problem, live streaming. The problem though, is you have to have enough upstream bandwidth to push to all those locations. You have to be able to have enough bandwidth to push to Twitter, to Facebook simultaneously. So you have to have enough outbound bandwidth to do three, four, five streams if you want to do do that without going through a restreamer. So it's there is no, you know, I don't know how you get quality out of that with with being a because you 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 have to have the, the the outbound bandwidth to do that. That's the challenge here. That's why I only push two streams. I go to one is a restreamer because of the bandwidth constraints. I can't push to all, all of those from a single, a single streaming point. Here, let me share my StreamYard account. You can actually but unless they're it. doing some restreaming internally, which would surprise me a lot. Okay. Here's, here's the configuration window. Um, for my, oh, yeah, I'm seeing it. Oh, okay, I can't see it. Okay, um, it 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 vanished for me. But okay, um, yeah. So you can see that it's uh, it's got add destination. So you click that, and it has all these listed in here about you know Facebook page, LinkedIn page, YouTube channel, Twitter. Um, and then Twitch, yeah. I've got uh, some of these already set up. Yeah. I'll have to reach out to cloud and find out why they're not doing that integration like that, because I can only authenticate on Facebook on Wowza. So maybe it's time to look at a different restreaming service. Yeah. I mean, if you have to do that through, through restream, they must not have a, a, like I was saying, this this looks to me like an API integration of some sort because it's it's like you click log in and it takes care of. The so rest does of it. does your Twitter account stream automatically then when you go up live? Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I had to go through the process I did before is I had to go through their studio platform. Yeah, I mean, 
StreamYard, it doesn't even ask me. Huh. It doesn't even have a, a, any kind of a configuration window. It's either connected or it's not. Hmm. Uh, well, that's something worth looking into. I'll, I'll look around yeah. into different streaming services because, or restreamers, because I'm not capable of doing anything out of here without RTMP in the way it is. I mean, through a, because I push to Wowza and then they restream via RTMP stream. So, and the only one I can authenticate with is Facebook and it drops authentication about every six to seven months. So, I would imagine that these, these streaming platforms like, like uh, but, StreamYard and, but, and others have done direct. But Wowza is massive. They're, they're, 10 yeah. times bigger than any StreamYard will ever be. So I don't understand why they wouldn't have that integration done. It's a good question to ask them because that, that yeah. seems like that would be simple for them. If they're that, you know, they're a big company, massive company. Are they? And yeah. dealing with commercial, you know, different, uh, something Google this cloud. Well, was, uh, Twitter streaming, see if there's anything that they've, on their online system that talks about it. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't. There's nothing in here about send an SRC stream. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Well, that's yeah, good. I'm, I mean, I mean, you would think, I mean, with technology the way it is today, it would be a simple thing to pass the credentials um, to a platform like a Twitter or Facebook, um, to make that connection. It's not something that you should expect your, your content creator to know all of the configurations and the ports and all this stuff. It seems right. we should be way, way past that kind of issue, but it doesn't sound like that's been your well, experience. They do that with Facebook with Wowza, but maybe it's just yeah. because this, Maybe I need to look at a new restreaming service. So anybody else using another restreaming service out there that has those integrations? Because without being able to, because before I had to load a separate studio page in Twitter, mm -hmm. set up the broadcast time, and actually start the actual live stream manually. There was no physical, there was no automated system to do it. So, yeah, And I do wonder, you know, and th this is, probably a really good topic for the show too is, is are we going to see more new content creators come into doing podcasting through these platforms, mainly for the reason of the, of the double ender capability that these platforms are increasingly offering. I mean, I know um, Squadcast has offered this for a long time. I know StreamYard just added it. Um, I don't, I believe that zoom is about to add, yeah, they're double they're ender. adding double ender, right? And so that's a significant kind of trend in the industry is because if you can get that double ender recording, you can really almost really be equivalent to a a person sitting there in your studio with you, um, type of audio quality, and that's that's powerful for for remote recordings. Yeah, I don't. I guess we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Unfortunately, the way my studio is configured here, I can't use Streamyard. Um, if, unless StreamYard is adopted NDI, then maybe, but it's, uh, it's, it would be a challenge. It would just, I would, you know, my entire stack of stuff would be, I, I don't even know how I would configure it with the way I've got it configured now. It would be. You probably have to run, uh, run the connection to StreamYard through 
through another computer or something. Yeah, that like would that. be, and then you're going to have to have a computer that has enough guts to to do that, mm-hmm. and not necessarily a you know low end. You know, I have one high end box. Everything else here is just pretty simple machines. And I know that your your um, your TriCaster there that you have is is a very capable box. There's no question about that. I but mean, it's got, but it definitely doesn't have the ability to do multiple streams. So there must be something StreamYard's doing there because on a normal connection, they must be restreaming. I, I can't see how they would be pushing four separate streams. Most computers wouldn't handle the load to do that. So they must be taking a single stream out and then restreaming themselves. That's the only way they could do that because I, I can't even push four live streams here at once. That I don't have enough bandwidth to do it. So well, I'm sure that they're they're basically taking that up up to the server, and then then they're redistributing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, they're re, they must the server be re, level. they must be right. restreaming it, right? And if right. they're doing that for twenty bucks a month, that's a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, because what you're you're talking about doing is you're trying trying to maintain separate live streams through through your own connection is what you're trying to tell well, me. Well, no, what, happens. what I do is I push one to YouTube and I push one to Wowza, then Wowza does one to many. Oh, does the, okay. So you're talking about two then. Okay. Yeah. So I push two and okay, that, well, in, you know, and it, it's six megs a minute or six megs mm-hmm. a second, you know, that taps mm-hmm. the bandwidth out here pretty quickly. Now in the, and the next challenge is, is HLS. So StreamYard does I know does not create an HLS stream. So you would still have even if you were using StreamYard and you wanted to be able to provide an HLS stream to be into these new podcasting apps with the with the live and lit, then you would still have to use a restreaming service to get an HLS output because that's and actually that is the most expensive thing about running the live stream right now is that HLS stream. Because Why I pay, couldn't they set up an HLS stream, the same thing that they're doing with these it's other? It's very expensive plans. to run HLS because what they're, what they do then is they become the head end for delivery to every. So what happens is, is I push to Wowza. They mm-hmm. open a single stream to Facebook, a string, a single stream to Twitch and then wherever else I'm doing. And then the HLS is sitting there on demand. And when someone comes in via a podcasting app that wants to watch this show live, mm-hmm. it's like opening a, every one of those as a connection to like a connection to Facebook, a connection to YouTube. So I essentially get charged by the gigabyte for every external live streaming connection on the video side. The audio is, uh, not complicated because the audio is, is low, is low bandwidth. But when you're doing video HLS, you're essentially the person that's connecting to that is, um, is essentially just like getting the raw stream that I'm feeding Facebook. And I have to Mm -hmm. pay for that pure bandwidth for each. So if that got up to like a thousand people that were watching live, we wouldn't be able to do it because it would be too expensive. We could not afford to, to, uh, to put this stream live on other devices just because of the, the cost. So if we ever have this like huge surge and I watch it every show, I see how many people are, we're watching HLS as long as it's 10 to 20, it's not bad. But again, when you, when you start adding, if you get to a hundred or a thousand, 
that could be two, three, four hundred dollars a show to deliver via HLS. It could get mm. very, very expensive because you're paying for the, the bandwidth and the number of connections they're making to Wowza because Wowza is essentially now sitting there as a as a server on demand for for connections. So anyway, techie talk, but it's interesting that uh StreamYard is restreaming. That's that is a lot of value from uh from a low cost account like that. From one to many. What is their limit? What is their restream limit? Have you found it? No, I haven't. I haven't seen any 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 limits to the simultaneous streams, but I did not to change the subject, but sure. it is a little bit of a, of a derivative topic here. Um, I don't know if you've visited the, the new media show page on YouTube music, but you might want to go take a look at, or I can share my screen. Well, I, can, um, I can get it up. Oh, and, and YouTube music. YouTube music has us and it has at the top of our episode list, it has a button says live. YouTube music. So they're now linking to our live version of our show inside of YouTube music. So if I look for new media show and I click on it here. Yeah. It's dot dot youtube.com. Right. So it is. It's showing our our live show. Yep. In the episode list mm-hmm. says live. Yeah, yeah, I just clicked on it, so you obviously heard that. Um, that's, so is it just audio or bro, is it video? No, it's video. Inside. I got to make okay. sure this thing is. I got to back out of this because it's trying to start it every time I. So let me show this screen. Four, five, six. Yeah. So there's the screen, um, and it does. It shows that we're live. Mm-hmm. save episode for later play next add to queue add to playlist or share that's interesting so for streaming on youtube then our on the youtube side, on our right. video side then our live show shows up in youtube music now that is a development hmm yeah and the the actual looks like the rss feed that they're they pulled from was the audio version because it does not say no. They're they're pulling from our live stream edition, but, right? It yeah. doesn't say video edition at the top of the album. Yeah, but we we haven't submitted an audio version of. We've submitted nothing to YouTube Music. They picked that up from the YouTube playlist because I yeah. don't have an audio version of the show on YouTube. Right. So they've they've scraped the the APIs or whatever to come up with. Um, this this link now I did not see a video version of it showing up in here. So the YouTube music folks are just pulling the audio version of our show right into into YouTube music and then but they're picking up the live video. That's so, an interesting move by their part. Yeah, it's actually smart. I mm-hmm. think I would say it's, I would say this is the first smart thing they've done. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. curious. But this experience is just to let everybody know, because I know we have a lot of viewers and listeners outside of the U S this is U S only. Right. So you can't see this outside. Of the I, United I'm going States. to turn the volume down and see if I can play this and see what it looks like. I would imagine it takes over the screen. Doesn't it? Uh, it did when I first did this. Let me try this again. 
but the but the audio the video is horrible. It is not anywhere near. Oh, they have. Oh, isn't that weird? Yeah, because the quality of this. Now let me go over to YouTube. It it doesn't look the same. The the video quality is horrible. So let me go over. Just it could be your bandwidth too. I might right? might be, but at the same time, let's go over to YouTube and I go to my channel. And yeah, it might be my bandwidth. Hmm. All all of the other episodes below the the yeah. live link Are, appears to be audio. Right. Well, that's definitely a development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. So the question is then, do they notify you if you go live? That is the question. Right. Save episode for later, play next, add to queue, add to playlist. So I I've, believe you have to add it to your library probably before it shows up and yeah. notification. And I clicked add to my library and it didn't mm -hmm. stick. So let me go ahead and try to see. Oh yeah. That's yeah. that's an issue. It's not letting you Okay. And it's also asking me to install YouTube music to my home screen. Oh, isn't that curious? So I'm not sure what that means. What's what's the home screen? That's so, probably to your computer. It wasn't. It wasn't very specific, and it said that I don't know if that is the YouTube homepage or, um, yeah, I just don't know on that. Yeah, so it shows my Geek New Central show, but it shows just video. Hmm. It doesn't appear to show any, you know, like at the top navigation or any kind of. Um, uh, feature area for shows that are podcasts that are live, you know, you know, like a featured area or mm -hmm. something like that that says these shows, these podcasts are, are now live or anything like that. It doesn't appear to have any area that promotes live podcasts. Yeah. I'm looking at it. It's, it makes you go mm, just a little bit because I'm back over on YouTube podcasts and none of that, nothing has changed over there. Yeah. It doesn't do any prompting either on your, your homepage. So once you've subscribed to it or once you've clicked the, the follow button, um, it, it drops it into your shows area at the very top of your, your YouTube music page. Gotcha. Um, but it, doesn't change any kind of status that it displays um, showing that this show is now live. Hmm. It doesn't change any status. It still shows the same way. So no one outside of being on our page would actually know that we are actually doing the show live right now. Right. By the way, I want to say, uh, I think we've got Ed and uh, David are watching on YouTube. Thanks for checking in saying hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it is curious. So I have to do some more investigation on this for sure. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that they they've done this integration. But it's also interesting that they've just gone ahead and added podcasts 
Right. So were you, um, was your geek news in there? It's, it's in there. So at any, anything that's been flagged with a podcast on YouTube is now on YouTube music. That's news. Right. I don't know when that went down, but, but it can be found now, which wasn't the case, you know, before I left for NAB. So. Right. Yeah. I was just trying to look up uh, a couple of other shows. They're just launching, they're just launching stuff and really not saying anything. They're just doing things. Yeah, their their PR strategy doesn't seem to be aligned with anything that they're doing. <laughs> hey, yeah. by, by the way, Eddie, if you're still watching, uh, tell Brownie to ask his wife to check Messenger. I sent her a message. <laughs> right. So I did a search for my name, and it's interesting what comes up for that. Um, just to see what. So it's finding episodes, but it's being fed. It's being fed from YouTube. It's not being fed from RSS. No, that's right. But it's interesting from a search perspective. It's it's finding episodes that I was either a guest on, mm -hmm. or it, mainly that. It's not finding everything. So they didn't ingest everything, but they are definitely pulling from 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 youtube yeah to 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 come up with what is showing up there. so it's the shows that are showing up for me and youtube music are ones that have a video presence that have yeah. have video shows i've got something mm -hmm. there from 2015 two from 22 2019 it goes back quite a ways but of course then a lot of it shows up for my stuff too mm-hmm so, well, I guess, I guess we'll see what, uh, what develops here with this. I'm again, no big rallying cry from content creators. That's for sure. And by the way, we are lit and live and I'll turn the volume back up. So if you're watching lit or live, we, we, we are, uh, we are available to uh, be boosted. And, uh, so if you want to do that and we did have some, uh, some boosts come in. Uh, we had Scott says, still waiting for his stickers. <laughs> 5,000 sats. Uh, uh, Bronto Rodeo said, YouTube should be part of any podcast syndication plan, but it shouldn't be the only plan. Sean. Cast Garden is now syndicating GNC to the Fediverse Network. 100 sats. Um, I think that covers it. License said note to self, how is Substack podcast features for oh yeah, we covered that already. We didn't didn't know anything about that piece. And uh we are having some folks that are streaming the show live today. Martin is listening via Fountain. Anonymous is listening via Podverse and those are those are sats that are coming in by the minute there. So I'm gonna turn that off so that uh it doesn't bug us every fifteen seconds with the uh with the boots. So thanks for those streaming sats. But I tell you, Rob, let's talk about the NAB show a little bit. Okay. Um, you were there for two days. Yeah. What, what was your, what was your takeaway? Well, I thought it was, um, the show was getting back to more what I would consider to be kind of normal, uh, as far as attendance and, 
scale. I think the last couple of years, it was like, you know, maybe half speed. <laughs> so it wasn't um, quite as a significant of an event, but this one definitely felt a little more normal. I think we're, I think that event is getting back to normal, but yet at the same time, um, I think podcasting has kind of slipped backwards a little bit there at that event. So um, as far as the amount of companies that are participating from the industry and, and things like that, I think there was only like, you know, besides the, the audio audio recording uh, and microphones and all those kind of stuff, folks, you know, like uh, Shure and Sennheiser and, and um and road and th- those kind of folks all all those folks were there and but as far as podcasts hosting companies and things like that i think there was probably only like three. there was three of us yeah right podbean was there and i think they had a pretty bad booth position libsyn was over in west and i think rob was quite disgruntled that he was over in west cuz i our traffic was was fantastic the first two days, uh, matter of fact, the first hour of the show made my entire show. I had two people from the Middle East walk up to the show and have a conversation with us. And um, those two, matter of fact, I've been pretty busy here the last couple of days, but those two clients alone uh, mm-hmm. ma- made the show uh, from a you know from a performance standpoint. But we talked. Here's what I saw: we had people come through, educators lots and lots of educators, meaning colleges, college radio stations, a lot of individual content creators that are thinking about doing a show or doing a show. And then, um, obviously businesses, but, um, I would say in in, in we asked, how did you find us? And 80% was we're walking by and we saw you and we stopped. So we made a point Again, I wasn't in a section that was necessarily audio. I had a big camera guy across from me and a wall in front of me. And I, and really the guy next to me had a rector set type of, you know, scaffolding type stuff that goes on studio sets. So I went scouting and found what I consider to be the, one of the highest traffic areas, the central floor, central. And I, when Mackenzie went to talk to them about doing the, uh, booth location. I didn't get the exact location I want, but I got probably the second best. And if they, if they don't change the floor plan uh, for anybody that's been in central hall, Las Vegas convention center, when you go from the upper level down to the lower level, there's a set of steps. And usually the big boys are down below those steps. I am at the top of the steps, right? I mean, right on the edge. So if we hold that position, which I hope we will, I, from a traffic standpoint, there'll be, there's no, no reason why we won't have 20,000 people walk by us. So position, 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 position is really the game there. But I, I agree, you know, our session there, we had, we had probably what, 50, 60 people in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And it was decently attended. I mean, for a show as big as that. And as far as way the room was. That we would have had more, but yeah. But for where the where the room was in the South Forty, right? You know, out in the West, West people had to. They the only reason they were there is because they purposely came. They didn't just find us. You know that they 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 didn't just find us. That (laughs) no, it's 
it's too hard to find anything at that show. And that's, that's one of, I think one of the aspects of Danny B show that's very difficult is that it, even if you know where you're looking for and you have their, the, the booth number or the, the meeting room number, it's very difficult to find um, that it l- looking at a map doesn't really help you that much. Um, you got to learn how to- one of the, the challenges of those type of events is that they're so big that it's difficult for people to find their way. And it takes so long to, to move around. You, you're just not acclimated to reading the signboards. You got to figure, <laughs> you got to figure out which is on the right and left hand side of the aisle. And you know, <laughs> follow those markers. Well, it's, yeah, it's not always easy because I mean, even on the show floors, sometimes the, the uh, booth number signs are, are obscured by well, other signs that are right. hanging. So you can't even see them. So, I mean, you can't, you know, like I was trying to find your booth and it took me like, we saw you walking know, around. We saw you two rows minutes trying to find you because I couldn't <laughs> see the sign that had your row number on it because right. there were so many other signs. Right. So, yeah, it caused me to walk around and I, I wasted a lot of time trying to find something. That's right. why when we prepare and send out emails to people, we give them very explicit instructions of who we're by <laughs> and the best way in we right. give a secret decoder ring to get to us <laughs> yeah, it's almost like uh, it would be cool if they had like a like some sort of a gps location well, they do the app does that the app shows you your location yeah <laughs> oh it does oh i i gotta, didn't see that capability you, you in gotta the app, use the app it, but... center yourself but most oh, people okay. don't load the app. They just, they get the booth. Oh, no, I had the app. I, I just didn't know it worked like oh, that. Oh, okay. So, but how good it works, I don't know. Well, that's true. Hey, John Spurlock oh. in uh, the Mastodon chat said, hey, the other items in the list have audio or video as well. This is just a projection of the YouTube playlist. You marked the podcast earlier over in the music app. Nothing to do with RSS feeds here. That is exactly correct, John. We know that. He mm-hmm. took a screenshot of our, of our uh, YouTube stream and and uh basically put it up on in the, in well, the music all the page. other other episodes on the youtube music page are audio only uh i didn't think so mm-hmm. really then how did that's, they get that that's well how else would they have gotten it all right let's go over back over there again new media show let's load it Oh, no, no, no. They're video. Are they? So if you click. Yeah. Any oh, hit. okay. Yeah. They're, okay. They're video. Oh, so. Huh. That's, that's a little perplexing to me. Um, it's an <laughs> audio product, but yet they're linking to video. Yeah. So, okay. YouTube's about video, baby. So it has nothing to do with. <laughs> no, RSS. there's no audio and there's no RSS implementation. They just grab the. It looks like at the bottom. Okay. Okay. So I, I think I understand what they did. So you went in and changed the, the playlist yeah. to flag it as a podcast. Absolutely. Now, right. if I play it on the bottom, they don't show the video. They just play the audio. If I hit the player at the very bottom of the page, mm-hmm. it, it plays it as a, as an audio podcast. If I at go the bottom of the page, at the bottom of the page. But only at the bottom of the page does it show up. Does it play only as audio? 
So they're basically making their, it's such a hokey thing here. Oh my God. So, so how does that work then? So if you click on the episode in the episode list, so if you click, if you click on, it doesn't start playing the video until you click on the video button. But if you click on the audio button, it'll play the audio down, down below at the bottom. Yeah. At the bottom. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can't see the bottom of the page in your screenshot. So there lies some interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So basically they're, they're (laughs) anyone that's doing. So in the music app, I bet you it just plays as audio. They strip the video and play the audio. Yeah. So they're not looking at RSS feeds at all. Not yet. Is what that's for sure. What what this is telling us right now. Yep. And if you have, I'm sure if you have audio only over on YouTube. So I don't see any shows over there that are audio only. Do you? Uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. So again, and it was interesting. I was, I was having a call. I, I had to be careful. I was having a call with a company that's bringing new product to market. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. A very big company is bringing a new product to market. And, mm-hmm. um, I was talking about to that individual about how YouTube is really, you know, obscuring the name of podcasting. I said, now without going into who they are and maybe a couple months, I'll be able to say who they are. But I said, if you want to become in the better graces of the podcasting world as a whole, you will market that you source content from RSS and mm-hmm. if you decide not to cash that it's on pasture, no guarantee that they are going to go on pasture, but it, yeah, so, that was, I mean, yeah, you're talking about pass through with YouTube, not with YouTube. I'm talking about another big company that's bringing something to market. Oh, Okay. And I said, just remember, I said, if you're doing caching, I said, there's going to be trouble. I said, there's going to be issues. And I, you know, we had this whole document that we shared with them that talks about these best practices for big, this is a big player that's coming into the space. And I'm like, listen, you, 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 here's the, we're giving you the roadmap of the lessons learned of, of Amazon, Spotify, all these companies that have rolled out. Here is what you're going to face, you know, we're trying to give you a roadmap to success so that you'll have the most support and less headache of getting shows onto your platform. Yeah. I think I know maybe who you're talking about because there is one that's kind of trying to come into the podcasting space, but don't even mention it because I can't confirm or deny I'm under NDA. So, but yeah. So again, they did it to an extent, mm-hmm. but anyway, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. I said, but if you start cashing, I said you're going to run into trouble. If you don't go to pass through immediately, I said because people are going to the big boys, you know, the wonderies and whatever else, the megaphones of the world might not allow their content to come onto your platform if you're caching. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the conversation I've had with, with the YouTube folks that are working on right. this whole thing. So, right. You know, as I, I asked those questions and they didn't, 
they didn't really have an answer for me sure. um, to come back other than, you know, they, they intend on hosting everything. Mm-hmm. So that was their only answer. And I said, well, you know, there, <laughs> that's a, that's a difficult road to, to row down or a yeah. boat to row. Right. And if you look at the history of the medium, uh, there's been other people and we've talked about this on the show before, but there's been other people that have wanted to, to cash and rehost as right, well. And right. in the end, guess what? They didn't do it. They went past through. So it's been a, you know, I, I've been literally since I stepped back in the office Monday morning, it was, I've been literally 10 hour days. Um, number one, trying to catch up. Number two, you know, now starting to reach out to people that we met and it's just, yeah, there's not enough hours in a day ever to get all your work done. So somewhere did you, matter of fact, while you were messing around, did you find that, that link from Dan for that file? No, I, no, we started doing the show, so I haven't found it it yet. So apparently we may have the elusive podcast movement uh, recording. Well, in the podcast movement app today from evolutions, uh, you can see the video of our <laughs> session, but if that's only if you well. pay, it's only if you paid for the plan, right? The plus plan or whatever it is. Well, or if you're a, a speaker, I mean, oh, okay. and you got access to it, but but um, yeah, I, I was able to say see, see the video as well as the audio, and I, I I thought Dan sent both to us in that link. So oh, okay, well, when you find it, I haven't found it yet. So okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll get it over to you. But so, um, but otherwise, I've been kind of almost feeling a little bit out of loop. Um, been reading, of course, what's been in pod news and so forth. But I, I just, again, it's I almost feel disconnected. I was because there's so much stuff happening with the company. Yeah, well, things keep moving forward. Uh, I did notice that uh, in. In today's pod news, it does show, um, it says 217,795 podcasts have published at least one new episode this past week. Um, that's down 1.2% weekly and down 2.3% monthly. So we continue to see a decline in weekly publishing. Right. I was going to get my. Since you brought that up, let me go find the the stats link. Uh, let's see. Is this what I want? Nope, 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 nope. Not you. Oh, maybe that one? Is that what I want? Yeah, so, yeah, 206. Yeah, he must have got it right from this. 216,910, is that the number he used? No, he has in here 217,795. Yeah, this, this updates on a regular basis. From the, the podcast index, yeah, where the, it from. the number I really look at is the thirty-day number, that three seventy-seven number. Yeah, he's doing it on a weekly yeah. basis. Here. So three seventy-seven in the last thirty days, four sixty-three, one seventy-eight, and sixty, and five twenty-five in the last ninety days. That's down a third since last summer. Yeah, um, but there's been. 509,000 new podcast episodes. So 260,000 podcasts, but 506,000 new episodes. 
but <laughs> do you have the number there of um how many podcasts published a new episode in the last week mm -hmm. yeah well it's yeah 216,900 oh 216,000 that's that's actually a thousand less than yeah but, James but showed. I'm sure he got it this changes probably hourly so this number that I'm right. looking at is you know it's it's floating so right. but um again we go back to and what's very scary here and this is really super telling is 525,000 podcasts with new episodes in the last 90 days. That, wow. that, at 463 in the last 60. There used to be a much bigger spread there than that. So, really, you know. If, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure that that number means very much. I mean, if you're only publishing an episode every 90 days, you don't have much of a podcast. No, no. And, and the seven day number is pretty, you know, in my opinion, that's, if you're not publishing every week, if you look at it, yeah. 216,910 and seven and 296,606 and 14. So, you know, there's 70, 80,000 shows that are bi-weekly according to this, you know, this rough, rough look so you know 210,000 or or but if you know how many how many categories that you know if we if we really start thinking about it you know if you've got 216 217,000 and um let's say 216,000 how many how many apple categories are there, 30 yeah, something like that. I think there's like 32 or 34. So that means there's, you know, if if you just do a straight average, that's only 7,200 shows <gasps> per category that you're competing against. And, and some that's those, archive shows too. Right. right. And some of those, and some of those shows, well, no, that would be active shows. Oh, active shows. Right. Okay. So, right. but still that 7,200 is, and probably, and again, based upon the total number of some of these shows are publishing twice a week. So if we look at the seven day at 509,000, that's probably really um, more like 3,600 per category. Just in some categories, they're going to be weighted heavier than others. Here's something I heard. Tech shows. They can't, they can't find enough tech shows to run an ad inventory in. There is a huge demand for advertising and tech shows, and there's not enough shows to run advertising. Do they, are they very specific on what they consider a tech show to be? Well, they're looking for, for tech, tech shows, like my Geek News Central type tech show. And then there's some that are looking for some, something even more narrow. Um, right. But still, um, you know, used to be there. There was a plethora of tech shows. Now, uh, advertisers are having a hard time filling inventory on, on tech shows. Mm -hmm. You know, one person said to me, and he was like, there's too many beeping, beeping business shows. You know, that, that was the, <laughs> you know, kind of, I was like, oh, really? And Effing business shows. Right. Yeah. Too That's many, too many of those, you know, and. Right. So I thought, oh, okay. But I think still, you know, the numbers of 
true crime are still relatively low. So I think those are plenty of inventory, you know, for those shows because there's not as many. Yeah, but I think we, this show is considered kind of a, kind of a business show. Yeah, I would tech, say it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of a business. It's a little bit of tech. Yeah. Right? And I think it's mostly, I think we have one of our categories sectors set, selected as business, but. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you know, I, I I think the space, you know, is 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 what it is. And uh, a call that I did uh, recently, um, I, I still say there's plenty of blood. There's blood in the water. I think we're going to see some. If companies don't go out of business, they're going to be on cruise control. And um, now is not I think the it time. It depends on what what what's going to happen to the economy. Or or oh, it's a lot of it's already talk, being. It's already There's a lot of talk. So we're already being seen, you know, that's one thing I, we heard at NAB again and again, people were shopping for deals. You know, they came, came by and they're, they're with a specific group and they're looking for, they're looking for, you know, they're looking to save money. Oh, you're talking about on, on purchasing things. Well, on about? services, on podcast hosting services, you know, but, so I, I, I've getting had, a discount or something? Oh, no, I'm, I, I had at least probably as many as 20 folks that were hosting on a variety of platforms. So what kind of a deal can you do for me? You know, what, what is your pricing? You know, what? Yeah. So they're looking for a, for a, their price shopping. Right. Absolutely. Right. And, um, you know, and you, you lay a number out there and you're like, wow, that, you know, that saves me X. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. yeah, we're ready to move you. And, yeah. um, you know, just recently we moved 150, about, about 150 show network purely because of cost. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, if you're not getting that ad revenue coming in, you have to tighten the belt. A little oh, bit. They're, they're getting the ad revenue coming in. But the challenge is, is the, they're just, they got to trim. They can't, the free money's gone. They have to, they have to show a profit. Right, so that means that the revenue is not coming in as as much as they they were before. Right? The free investment money is gone, and they have to run on their own. Yeah, right, right. So I mean, there's inputs and outputs, and if you don't have enough inputs, then you can't have the same level of outputs yeah. on your spending. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Or if you know you're expecting investment money to come, and this just happened with. I, there was a big article about it on one of the finance sites talking about how Twitter before was funding and buying as mm -hmm. many as 20 startups a year and, and then promising cash to companies to continue their work. And that spigot was turned off. So mm -hmm. all those folks now are scrambling. There's articles out there talking about how they call them unicorns. And I don't know what a startup is that's a unicorn. Maybe they've only gotten one round. Let me see if I can look at well, this. Well, a unicorn is a, is a startup that is anticipated to be, you know, a, to bring, you know, a hundred times return on the investor's investment. Right. So it's, it's a, it's typically oh, yeah. a blowout, a blowout success of a startup. Unicorn is a term that's used in venture capital industry to describe a startup company with a value of over 1 billion. Now here's the problem. There's right. 400 unicorns that can't get any more money. That was, that was the, 
the summary of the the article was that they got to make it or they're going to break it. They're going to, there is no runway. They have no round two. They, they are not going to get another, another round. Well, and also there is a resetting of expectations around, around investment that's happening. Uh, and that's falling out of what's happening with AI right now too. Oh, is that my God. We're probably going to see less investment in large dollar amount investment in startups we're probably going to see 200 half million kind of be the the peak and the expectation is is that those companies will be able to be built uh with just uh maybe three people versus having a team of 25 or right, something like right. that well to scale to profitability with just three people but at the same time there is well, let's put it this way. Into people that are not speculators, in other words, mm-hmm. you have a, an investment group that is, they want to see hard numbers. They want to see a, uh, you know, you be profitable. And they, you know, those types of uh, risk adverse investors that are coming in to swoop up companies or come in and provide some capital that yeah. they, and basically they're giving, they're not giving you a penny unless, and the discussions that I've had recently with some of those folks, I say, we're, we're scared of AI. It's too loosey-goosey right now. He says, you know, we're going to wait a year to see where things kind of fall and who's going to make it and who isn't in that, yeah, it's in not, that regard. It's not so much investing in AI companies. It's more utilizing AI right. to grow and scale whatever company that you're starting. So, um, and I, I do think that we're kind of in this gray area right now of how much of these startups are being built to utilize AI technology to enable them to scale with very small staffs. So their, their burn rate is much lower to reach scale and they use AI technology to do all of their code writing and to do all of their content generation and all this stuff like that as a way to cost cut. I think that is dangerous if you're going to do that as a, you know, if you think you're going to make it on AI, then you've, you've, cause there's bits and pieces. That's what I'm calling it now. There's bits and pieces that where AI is being useful bits. Yeah. And pieces. I mean, right now, but, right. but if you look at investors, oh, yeah, VC yeah, yeah, investors, yeah. their expectations of, of the dollar amount, instead of, you know, like an investment that would be like either two to $5 million investment in a startup. I think what the expectation going forward is, is that 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 small team will be able to accomplish the same thing with a million dollars versus and, and, five until, or 10 million. Until AI starts stealing code. Right. And then we end up, uh, you have lawsuits in place because you ripped off functionality and you, you know, unless you, if you put your code out there. I don't know there, that it's stealing code, Todd. I think um, uh, these, the AI te- technology is being written to actually write code. Okay. But it's, but it is going out and looking at libraries and looking oh, at. Oh, it's co- pulling, it's uh, clearly pulling from it's libraries. It's pulling code. Obviously. So, you know, as soon as all, it's all good and well until it pulls some code and someone builds something that is built on mm-hmm. someone else's yeah. IP. You know, it's just like companies right now, Wikipedia and not Wikipedia, um, Reddit and others are saying, hey, you've trained your AIs on my content. 
um, you are now going to have to pay a traffic fee. You're going to have to pay to, you know, they're, they're going to go out there and go say, hey, you've built this AI model on the back of our content and given us nothing. So there's, there's going to be, there's going to be blood and water in that regards too, as these companies come out and say, listen, you've stolen and scraped everything that we've had online. So, so how would anybody know that though? They, I don't believe there's any way to, to directly trace the source of the information. Well, it, you, all you got to do is look at the log files, look you know, the log file. yeah, look oh, at the um, web log files, see what, see what, who and what has scraped when and where. So, you know, this is what these companies are saying now. These big companies are saying, listen, you, you can't do this for free. You have to pay us for this, uh, to scrape our site. I'm sure they've scraped Blueberry. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they've scraped Buzzsprout and Libsyn, and they've learned a lot about podcasting uh, by scraping our sites. Now, if that gives them the, the, I, the information to then go out and allow someone to compete against me by information they've scraped from me, well, then am I rightfully compensated for that scraping? Um, you know, that lays a question. So I, I, it's early days yet. So I think we're, we're going to see a lot more people not wanting these models to be doing what they're doing. Um, so is that going to put a, I mean, if you think about that, if you extend that out and you think about if companies become scared of putting out information about a particular industry, in, in trying to educate a customer, right? And that the AI technology goes in and learns all that information and then repurposes it to support people that don't have anything to do with your business. Um, is that ultimately going to um, cause a, a pushback against creating publicly available content? Yep. Or is everything going to go behind a firewall? Yep. You know, it's, if you think about it, I've looked at just some of the stuff I've created. We've got something that we're going to be launching in a couple of weeks. And I didn't know the first step to writing instructions on how to implement what we're launching. So I asked ChatGBT, give me installation instructions for this. And it wrote out, wrote me out a great set of instructions and I turned it over to the dev and I said, modify this to match what we're doing. And he about 45 minutes, cleaned it up, modified it. Cause it wasn't all right. It was, you know, using, you know, global examples of what we're launching and boom, mm -hmm. I, you know, I saved us a couple of hours of work of hand typing stuff out. Now, someone somewhere wrote those instructions out and it learned that someplace whether it was from Google or from Microsoft or from whoever, Safari, wherever they may have learned this information. So I guarantee you that data was sourced someplace and essentially wrote me instructions. And it wasn't, I can't tell if it's been plagiarized, but that definitely was someone else wrote that data before. And I'm sure they don't want me to just reuse it. So, you know, this it does, yeah, I mean, it does seem like that there is a potential risk here that we could be seeing the, the, um, 
this market with AI developed in, in a way that basically it puts out an incentive for people to pull content down off, off of the web. Absolutely. And, and the, what we see happen is content shifting over to the internet, not to the web. I have, you know, I, this should be cut. This is should, different. This should be very obvious, but I've instructed my team not to put anything into chat GPT that we would consider company IP. When you say put it in on a, in other words, let's say that I put in a financials and try to have this thing and have, why would you put, put your financials? in? Okay. Let's say, let's say you want some analysis. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, like some charts. And sure. You put it in, you put in like a layout. Yeah. For, you in say, a presentation. A, a, analyze what products are growing. What, instead of having to go into QuickBooks or whatever, you know, and have it spend hours generating a chart. Right. So I, and I didn't, because what happens if I put in company IP, financials, new project planning, all these things that we have, you know, you know, that I've got behind, you know, the company's not going to talk about it until we launch it. What happens if I do all the planning for that project in chat GBT and then somebody over lives and says, Hey, what's blueberry doing? What are they building? How can I be competitive against blueberry? And all of a sudden it says, it knows that I'm building X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. I can see some concern about that. And it, you know, they say, oh, it's all an anonymized, randomized. Well, that stuff still goes into the guts of this thing. Well, if it can be identified based on a brand, um, then it isn't. A brand, anonymous. a past, you know, there's been a few things I've said, hey, you rewrite this. I would, I would probably pull your brand out of any kind of query then. The thing is, it, it can, it's already scraped the web. So what if I've taken a 10 year old article and well, I, it's old, it's currently old information. I know, but let's say I take a 10 year old article and I want to refresh that article and I use chat GBT right. to refresh. It will already have scraped that data and had a semblance of information. So, you know, be careful what we wish for here. And, you know, and I don't know if you saw Tom Webster's post on Facebook the other day not the one where he smashed his face. And by the way, Tom, I hope you get to feeling better. Yeah. He, uh, he took a pretty big whack to the head. He's going to have a nice, nice manly scar across his forehead. But, um, you know, he talked about bed, bath and beyond going out of business. And you know, the example he is talking about how AI and how we, as people get older, they're less employable and all, you know, I hate to say it, ladies and gentlemen, when you hit 50, you better really work hard to keep the job you have because companies are looking to downsize and you're the most expensive people at that business. And they're going to do everything they can to get rid of you, even though they say you can't because you don't discriminate against old people, but you better be learning AI. You better be learning all this stuff and you better be bringing in more revenue than you better be bringing in four or five times revenue than what your salary is or, or you're gone. So as an example of adaption, a friend of mine um, kept hearing me talk about this AI on uh, on my show, mm -hmm. and uh, said, "Hey, can can you just spend you know thirty minutes with me on a Zoom call and, and get me started on this?" 
And basically, I got uh, on a Zoom call with this individual, and they were basically updating their resume. And um, I said, maybe what you should do is take your old resume in or segments of your resume and get summaries. And I kind of explained maybe some things they could do. And um, I took like 15 minutes. And about three hours later, I get this call back to Todd. I, I'm, I'm hooked. So I got five brand new resumes. I've got five color cover letters that were written for new jobs I applied to in five different industries. And it was, it was a holy shit moment for that person. Yeah. So, and that was with 15 minutes of me just saying, okay, just try this. And, and three hours later, they're hooked. So, and, you know, I keep running back and I keep even telling my team, anything comes out of this thing, make sure we're looking it over five times, make sure we're making sure everything makes sense, make sure it's not too flowery, make sure, you know, personalize it, you know, all these things. But it, it puts out some pretty awesome product. And mm-hmm. grammar is pretty correct as well. <laughs> There's an advantage there. It's going to put the... Grammarly folks out of business ultimately, right? <laughs> uh, I'm using Grammarly less. Now, yeah, here's what, what I mean. here's yeah. what I have found. <laughs> Actually, Grammarly will want to rewrite everything that that ChatGPT. Grammarly outputs. chokes <laughs> on most. If I if I write something and let's say I have two paragraphs, and right. I take it out of ChatGPT and I dump it into Grammarly, Grammarly often sits there and spins its head. It, it, it's, it has a hard time and I, there's something there that I don't fully get. I guess if I was a professor in college. I'm not sh- yeah. I haven't seen that. I, I've seen, you know, if I put uh chat GPT output into Grammarly, Grammarly will go through it and just tear it apart. I've, mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen the opposite where it just sits there and spins and has a hard time making any sense of it, but not all well, I mean, it wants to get in there and change words, change sentence structures. Well, that's probably a good thing because its own AI is making changes. Right. So you're, you have battling AI yeah. that are trying to right. edit your document, right? Yeah. And it's, yeah. But I just caution people, make sure you keep a, the control of your source documents. <sighs> Go changing things. Make sure you have that source document where it's in its pure form from before. <laughs> you know, yeah. that you can revert to. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the, um, the grammar girl AI platform oh, to, yeah. uh, launch here. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Mignon, get on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll have fun with it, but I, right. again, it's, it's one of those situations where too, you know, every, every, everyone that's anybody is going to be playing with this on their own. So a lot of these AI tools are going to have to become very super focused on what they do and do it very well, because otherwise they're not going to need to use those tools when chat GPT five comes. Cause four is pretty doggone good. It is, uh, but what's coming in the next year is going to blow it away from what I hear. So this is why plus, I'm very plus, hesitant to actually build AI tools because 
do I build something no one's going to need because they're just going to use an external tool that's much cheaper than what I can offer it as a service? Well, if you think about there's these big tech companies are all over this, right? Right. So you've got Google with their, um, what's, what's the, what's the name of that Bard Bard, Mm -hmm. I think is the name of their AI and, um, and then chat. GPT four, and that's primarily owned by Microsoft now. So you can kind of see where, you know, Google (laughs) and Microsoft have been battling each other for years over search. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and Google kind of got caught on their heels here a little bit, but they've been working on AI for a long time. And so has Microsoft, but Microsoft, I think got a jump on this because they, they, they bought a big stake in chat GPT. So, so what we're going to see happen, and I, I saw the CEO from Google make a comment on this on 60 Minutes where he was saying that they have more advanced AI tools that are in the pipeline coming, but they're they're a little hesitant to release them, to, to release those platforms because they don't think that our society and our culture and our business environment is ready for that yet. Oh, they're ready for me. it, but it's going to be disruptive. Well, they wanted to put out the the simpler version first, get people used to it, all this kind of stuff, and then evolve it and then come out with greater capabilities later. But I just wonder, you know, it's, there's other AI platforms out there that we don't even know sure, about sure. that are, are going to change everything. And I think a lot of them are going to go into the military for one thing. And I think a lot of them are going to be government controlled. Well, Oh, Time will tell, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. I just, it's, it's, I don't need a personal assistant right now. And three months ago, I was seriously thinking about hiring one and struggling to think, how am I going to train this person to understand my methodology? And, you know, it's like spend three months training somebody and then hope that they stay and work for me for a couple of years. I, I, I don't have to do that anymore. I have a, I have my PA. Right. But I'm not trusting my PA's output either. I'm being very diligent about that. Thought I found this article on weeditpodcasts.com uh, mm-hmm. um, that talks about the 10 skills for a successful podcaster. Um, I thought it was an interesting kind of So what are the list. 10 what is the 10 skills? The number one one is organization and planning skills. Number two is research skills. Number three is audio engineering skills. Um, Storytelling skills. uh, Mm. Skills to be able to do an interview. Uh, Creative marketing skills. Obviously, communication skills are important. And community building skills. Perseverance and consistency. These are the aspects that, you know, we can appreciate and uh, strong time management skills. I would agree with a lot of that. Yeah. But here's the thing. You tell a content creator, he has to be, or he or she has to be all that. And their brain explodes. Well, some of these skills are not easy skills to develop. Um, They take actual doing like, like doing interviews and not something that you're born with the ability to do. So you, you got to dig in and maybe do 50. 
And certainly storytelling skills doesn't come to everyone. David says on YouTube, every other email I receive these days is offering some AI-powered podcaster service. David, they don't send me too many of those anymore because I blast them for spamming me. So when you see something interesting, make sure you forward it to me. You can surface through the junk and send stuff to me. And I think one of the big areas that there is definitely a weakness out there is audio engineering skills. That's why you and, follow the Todd way. You follow the Todd right. way. You just uh, you know, cut the ends and process the audio and be done. There's a lot of people that, uh, well, and I think increasingly that is going to be easier with AI too. I think AI will be able to get in and do editing for people too. I think we're seeing that develop more too. And then just basic research skills is, is an important capability too. One thing that they didn't say in here, which I think is, is an important one too. Well, I guess it's covered under communication skills, but I think it's the ability to um, communicate clearly and, and to feel comfortable uh, on a microphone or in front of a camera, those kind of things are important. I think the more important thing is passion about the topic you're talking about. Yeah. If, if you well, have passion, and, if well, you, and, and knowledge, and knowledge that way you, you don't have to do as much research. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're an expert and you know what you're talking about, yeah, you don't have to do as much research. Though that's always a, a big part of any any show that you do. I mean, I even because you should always be learning, right? You should always be trying to pick up what's what's happening in the industry, just like what we do with this show. I well, mean, it, it, we don't always have the answers just because things are moving too fast. It, it goes it goes beyond that. It's you know the way the world is today, and it goes back to what we talked about a little earlier. If you are just maintaining the status quo today, and you're job. If you're just showing up and doing your thing and you're not educating yourself of what's what what's train coming? wrecks coming, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself on unemployment and unemployable. Well, and a lot of what, what was talked about um, that, that I've been seeing increasingly is, is it's becoming clearer and clearer the, the jobs and the professions that are going to get kind of canned um, because of AI over the next five years middle management uh, it could be as much as 40 percent of all jobs i i could see it over the next 10 years i could see it well and it may happen sooner than than we have any idea too because but the problem that's going to be run into let's just think about this for a second is okay if if i ask let's say i need a marketing plan and I ask something to write me a marketing plan, an individual to write me a marketing plan. Usually that mm -hmm. individual's gonna have had some experience and will have had, you know, the ability to have insights that maybe I wouldn't in writing a marketing plan. Mm -hmm. But if that insight and those marketing plans have been put and made available on the web, yeah. and those insights are being garnered and coalesced, and then I ask for a marketing plan for a, for something. 
and I get a five-page marketing plan that could not have been produced in 15 minutes, let alone, or it could have been, would be, is produced in 15 minutes, let alone a month worth of work, that, that changes the game completely. And that's what we're talking about here is this grind stuff that we have to do. That's right. where the chain, it's the bits and pieces. You still have to do implementation. You still have to do this, all this other stuff, but it's the bits and pieces. It's that grind work that kills us all that we dread right. and put off that we don't have to work so hard at. I, yeah, I think Todd, I kind of wonder a l- little bit as we think to the future here, if, if, if even AI is going to put at threat, uh, podcasting. I don't um, think so. Cause people are never, people are always going to want to hear original voice and original stories. And we are a long, 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 long way from, from synthesized voice replacing it's, it, I, I don't think people are going to put up with it. Well, I just wonder if um, if the AI becomes so knowledgeable about everything, right? Um, that because a lot of the reason that people listen to podcasts, um, this is always probably a certain percentage of the reasons why they listen to podcasts is to learn new things, right? Sure, keep up with developments, to keep up with um, new perspectives on on things. Um, now, granted, shows that are geared towards entertainment, making people laugh. Um, giving them an emotional experience. That's kind of a different type of content that I don't know that an AI is going to be able to fully replicate um, at a human level. But, you know, that's a big question mark too. But I just wonder about various types of content. So, so if you think about a show like this, where we talk about um, the latest and greatest things that are happening in the podcasting medium and talk about ways that, this technology can be used uh, or thought of differently. Um, I think that there's some of that capability is in AI. All right. Um, I just wonder, Todd, if we're, if we're this type of a show gets replaced by AI, because let's say people start, um, start putting up less public content, right? They maybe get into publishing contracts with platforms that are publishing into AI, right? Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if there's going to be branded content that's available in AI as you look to the future. Well, we'll see. I, I just think that proceed with caution. <laughs> that AI could become a replacement for the web is what I'm saying. It, because if you look at Google's running after this, right, and our it it feels to me right right now that doing a Google query on the web, right, feels antiquated now, right. Is it better to go in and do a query to find what you're looking for? I think you run in, a big, 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 big risk of doing that at this point. In in AI gives you the results. So let's say AI generates. Uh, increasingly visual experiences as well. Yeah. I, I, again, if, if you're going to run home to AI to ask it how to wipe your butt. Um, well, but that's what people are doing in YouTube. That's what people are doing in, but um, those are humans in, where you can see what's Google. going on and you can bet whether or not they're an idiot or not. 
Well, supposedly if it comes out of AI, it's okay. Be believed, yeah, right? whatever. Yeah, yeah. Real, let's get brainwashed real quick here. All right, we did yeah. have a boost that come in and said, "Hey guys, a question for a future episode. We got room today. As an indie podcaster, and thank you for using Blueberry Stats. How can I act when I see a sudden burst of downloads over a week or even a day in a particular city or country to try to reach out to those people and thank them?" And that was the ten thousand. Sat boost from Papa HD, which I think is David. It's in our YouTube channel. You know, I think what that really boils down to is if you see a sudden burst, then I would be looking, number one, where did it originate? Where, what was the devices it came from? If you can, you know, look at the episode level and dig down. Um, and if you can't, find anything where you were linked to by Google or, you, you know, you can't find some social interact, you need to ask on the show and, and ask, Hey, where, where, who was this and why, or was it a specific piece of content? I, you know, we had a, about November, we had one episode on this show that went really, I mean, it went really, really big and like 50,000 downloads and I basically it, I attested it to something I had in the show notes and I know that probably 35,000 of those probably didn't list more than a few seconds but they came to the site because of a certain keyword that was in the in the article related you're to talking about this show or are you talking about yeah this news? show I was talking about this, this show. show yeah okay. but it was you know there was a certain a certain thing that happened in the world that was re basically that page ranked up real high just for a few days and people landed on that page and probably clicked played it. And it probably within the hour and a half of the content, this stuff was buried. Um, it was something to do with Elon. So, Oh, uh, uh, we talked about Elon on the show. Yeah. It was before, um, and something that was in the show notes caused a surge of traffic just to that episode. So I mm -hmm. kind of waved that off as those weren't new listeners. Those were people that were, Kind of passing through, passing right. through. So right. you'll see that once in a while where something where you get a burst of traffic and this is where your web stats come into play. Go into your web stats and look at, go into Google analytics. If you have it tied to your, um, to your show and then go dig in and see, okay, that time frame, where, where did that web traffic, it was a result of web traffic. And then mm -hmm. you, of course, Google hides what keywords were, but you can then go look at the page they landed on and kind of deduce, and look at that timeline and see what caused that to happen. Uh, Martin sent us uh, 2222. He said, hey, you have ducks, four ducks in a row. I sent an email about the stickers. <laughs> Boy, a lot of people are bugging me about stickers. <laughs> I got to get those yeah. stickers out. <laughs> I thought I was going to give you some stickers, Rob, make you the administrative control of sticker distribution. Yeah, getting, I've got some stickers. But, and I, I got yeah. a post office box literally 25 feet outside my front door, so there's no excuse. Todd, do we need to come up with like a like a merch store for the new <laughs> show? We, we might. Is that what's next? We might, but I promise stickers, so I got to get these stickers out. So it's, right. hor I'm, I'm horrible, <laughs> you know, and they, and they don't even deserve any more boost because I didn't get the stickers out the door. Um. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, David said it in the YouTube chat. I hadn't thought of asking on the show. I'll write a CTA for that. You know, and really what happened with me, uh, David, years ago, is I was having this uh, Antarctica, 
I kept seeing Antarctica come up on an episode, one download from Antarctica. And I was like, who is listening to the show on Antarctica? And it was, I said, who is, you know, about three shows in a row, who is listening in Antarctica? And finally got a message back. It was some scientist down on the ice. He was taking, a, at the time, an iPod with him out into the middle of, you know, loaded with podcasts. And that was his entertainment out on the ice. So, um, you know, it's like, who, who are you? You know, where, 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 how come you're listening? What are you doing out there? <laughs> right. Right. So you never know where they're, where they're coming in from. Yeah. And, and sometimes we look at those boosts like that too. And then we go back and cause what our system will do is it'll flag when a, when a show sees a big spike like that. And then we'll go back and analyze, and make sure that that wasn't a bot or something like that. But I don't remember anything coming up in our metrics review that said we saw, you know, a big spike that needed to be looked at. Cause sometimes we do see that stuff and we have to add some new, some additional controls. Yeah. You want I thought, those. I thought, Oh, go, go ahead. You want sure those big boost of listeners. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you never know when, when it's going to hit. I know with my old, old radio show, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, um, my show got a huge bump in, in audience and traffic, uh, on nine 11. Oh, of all things, right. When the planes crashed into the world trade center, that day was the biggest day for my radio show that I had in its whole existence. What was, was the like reason that, the charts. Why, why did it bounce like that so much? I believe it was because um, this was back in 2001. So right. it was very early in the online media space. Mm -hmm. um, and people were looking for current information about what was happening with the World Trade Center. And, and um, my show was streaming live on oh. the, the Windows Media uh, kind, of, kind of radio platform. So it wasn't a live show, but it, it looked like it was live. And sure. so people would click in that and. You know, I got a lot of listeners off of the streams back in those days. So uh, here's some numerology. Here's some numerology for you. One mm -hmm. thing we found in the uh, Satoshi Satoshi Boost game, and this was mm -hmm. just posted by Sir Ted Farrell about boost amounts to podcasting 2.0. He's tracking it since uh, from over a year. Uh, two 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 three 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 ten thousand one thousand five thousand three 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 22, 22, 22,111, so the numerology lives in the uh, Satoshi boosting world. Hey, Todd, is there any way, I, I think with the time that we, we have left here, which is like a minute, but um, <laughs> um, just kind of briefly tell our audience, uh, what's the easiest way to sign up and participate in value for value with the Satoshis? Um, Where should they go? What, what's the first thing they should do? And then what's the As a listener, thing? go over to podcastapps.com. Right. That's the first thing. Okay. Um, if you're using, let me go over there right now and uh, I'll bring it up on the screen. And you can use, um, let me find the apps. I believe at this point, uh, that the apps that support value for value are mostly Fountain, 
carrier caster, Podverse. Um, I don't know if Podcast Addict has added, they haven't added uh, value for value yet, but they do do live. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I'm probably missing a few. So, but anyway, go over to podcastapps.com. You can sort on this page by actual apps. And you can then pick an app. Um, Fountain and Podverse have made it real easy to fund your wallet. Right. You can use a debit card on, uh, I think both of them, you can use Apple Pay, I believe, on Fountain. Just take 20 bucks. And, you know, think, don't think about it as crypto. Just think about it as buying tokens. It, obviously, once you donate them, they'll back out into a value to the, to the podcaster. But, so you're, you're re- recommending actually buying tokens inside of one of the listening apps. One of the apps. Right. It's the easiest okay. for a listener to do. And then Can you use that in other apps too. No, you have to spend those within the app itself. Can you buy Satoshi's with crypto outside of any of those particular listening apps? You can, but it's complicated. So it's better just to buy Satoshi's right for a list for a normal listener. If you have Bitcoin already, you can get convert those into sats very easy. But my advice is to buy Satoshi's right in the apps. And then, then you just use those as tokens to, to boost and to comment on shows and um, so when you're buying buying Satoshi's inside of one of those apps, you're are you technically buying uh, fractional shares of Bitcoin? You are. Or are you you are you are. Yeah. But those can be those are converted into a cyber currency called Satoshi's. Satoshi is basically the smallest derivative of Bitcoin, and it is Bitcoin based, but it's called a Satoshi. Right. And yeah. you and you can. If you like, as a podcaster, I can cash those Satoshis out and get those into fiat funds, which would be into a, a, a regular banking system, uh, you know, something where right. you have dollars. So it's, it's converted based on its own. And it, it rises and ups. It go, it follows the Bitcoin value from day to day. Matter of fact, my, because Bitcoin's been on the rise, my Satoshi value has increased a couple hundred dollars that I hold in my own wallet. Um, mm-hmm. but here's the thought process. Uh, so for, where's your, I mean, I mean, don't give, you know, sure. too much personal information here, but, but, um, what wallet do you typically use I, for this? Now I'm a total nerd. So I'm have a wallet of my own that is run on a raspberry Pi. Okay. It's separate from right. these, these apps, but the a portion of my wallet as a podcaster, and this is what we're telling our podcasters is, is to sign up for a get Albi account and all your Satoshis that are donated will go into your get Albi wallet. Right. So as a podcaster, you'll want to go over to, to get Albi and it's very quick, five minutes you're signed up and you'll have a wallet to receive Satoshis. And if you've value for value enabled your show, but for as a listener, the donation piece is really simple. If you're listening along in a in mm-hmm. Fountain or Podverse or Carrier Caster, and you thought, "Holy crap, what they said was fantastic!" That's added value to what my day. Right. Then right. you can send us a thousand satoshis, and when you send us a thousand satoshis, it's twenty five cents. So that's <laughs> sending a, a a satoshi is 
done, let's say, sending us a They call it a boost. They called it a boost. A boost, right. Right. If you send it um, to the show, sending to us, they would do that through like the fountain listening app. That's right. But if, and so if they send it to us, then we need to link up somehow uh, to have it go into our Albi wallet. Right. So what happens is because we have, as soon as you get your Albi wallet, Rob, I can put in right. our value for value system, a split. I can put in a 50% split so that you'll get 50% of the donation. It'll go 50 to me, 50% to you. Right. Right. Also, because I want to support the, the ecosystem. Okay. So what will happen is, is how this works for everybody and why this is important is fountain will take a fee of, Mm-hmm. for the delivery. Now, if you send me a thousand sats, I'm going to get a thousand sats, actually a little less because it's some of, because I've already set up splits. If I have no splits, I'll get a, th- uh, if you send me a thousand, I'll get a thousand. But fountain may take three, four, five, ten 10 Satoshis as a fee to, and that's how right. they, in, in it, in the podcast index, I have a 1% split going to the podcast index. Mm-hmm. Um, because the way blueberry implemented where we've implemented a 3% fee, so really, everyone in the ecosystem gets paid. That's the key right. to this, too. You're not only supporting the podcaster, you're supporting the entire ecosystem of the app and those that you, and now there's starting to be services that um, are set up that you can say, okay, uh, I'm using the Saturn application. I can send them a percent of the donations. I, if I'm, and again, you, as a podcaster, you can designate percentages of, your donations going to basically to support the ecosystem. Uh, so in, in your Albi wallet, can I send Satoshi's to let's say the new media show or some other podcast you through as a, that platform? You as a podcaster, if you, hmm, I think you can, but you, it's complicated. So you have to know how to do it. You have to know my address. Maybe it isn't complicated. My address. So I can't transfer Satoshi's from my Albi wallet into Fountain. Mm, yes, you can. You can. You can. You so, can. Yeah, you can fund. Okay, so from if it. I listen in Fountain, and but yet I have an Albi wallet, I should be able to connect those together to be able to. Yeah, to fund and and again to pay a show. Right? Well, the best thing, really, again, um, and I'm on their website right now. Mm-hmm. So in my fountain account right now, I have 937,000 sats. So that's probably about $250 is probably what that equates to, I think. So mm-hmm. I can send, uh, actually, I need to have a, a, a browse. So really, you, what, what I do for, okay, so again, we don't want to get too complicated on the podcaster side. I have a wallet set up to be able to take money, a true a true wallet on an app right. that I send money to that then I can send stuff out. So again, mm-hmm. uh, so it says send there as well as receive. Yeah. Right? But on the send right. you, you have to use either the browser extension or you need a mobile app like Zeus or blue wallet, which are traditional. Again, this gets re- This is for the podcaster side. This gets complicated. So, yeah. We just want to make, and again, as a podcaster, you'd want to transfer that into wallet to move it around. Uh, for me, right. 
for me, I'm just using all the Satoshis that come in to support other shows. Uh, but you can get money. I can send an invoice and be, people can pay me through my lightning URL or my get Albi address. People can actually send me or I can get on chain Bitcoin to, to well as well. So I can actually send this to an on chain Bitcoin wallet and get money in. I know some of this stuff is people are like, what the hell is he talking about? Well, and that's, that's one of the things too, that maybe is holding it back a little bit is the, it's the simplicity of being able to set this stuff up. The simplicity that here's the thing, <laughs> setting it up is easy for a podcaster. Simple blueberry podcasters can set this up in under five minutes. A listener can literally set this up under five minutes and, and fund their wallet. They can start receiving donations immediately. The complicated piece comes in is when you want as a podcaster to move that money into fiat funds. And there's a little bit more rigmarole you have to go through. And those things are improving day by day to does, be able to do that. Does Albi enable you to, to convert to fiat funds? I don't think so at this time. So you would have to transfer that to a uh, wallet. The, to like a cold wallet or right. something like that. Yep. And then, and then exchange okay. it for Bitcoin. Cause there's, so are you, yeah. Are you storing your Satoshis in a cold wallet or no, I have, well, if you want to call my raspberry Pi a cold wallet, yes. Well, no, no, no. It's not something I can walk away with. I don't have a, it's not like a little USB. No, stick. no. So all my stuff is, but I also have my recovery codes. <laughs> You know, my, my on-chain recovery codes, the 28 character or the 28 word, uh, you know, recovery stuff. Mm -hmm. So again, setting up is easy and believe me, I understand that, you know, we so like, I got all these Satoshis, I got $250 worth. How do I get that to cash? And mm -hmm. that's where you have to have a wallet and you have to exchange. And, but again, for me at this point, I've been, been yeah. So you've got a cold wallet and no one can yeah. steal your Satoshis your Bitcoin because it's right on your cold wallet. Probably yeah, it's basically yeah. like a, uh, yeah. like a little, little USB stick right. of sorts. Yeah. And you have a fun print or whatever, whatever to unlock it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but again, I think that this really boils down to don't think about this. Okay. Podcasters, listen, 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 listen. Mm -hmm. The value in this is really, truly right now about the engagement that you get just like on the show here today, I've read two booths that have come in and people have been listening to the show live and I've been getting Satoshi's every minute that they listen live. It's about mm -hmm. the engagement you get like an email coming in. Some shows get 25, 30 boosts a show, mm -hmm. get a lot of boosts. Some shows don't. Again, it's all about, again, it's the value for value pieces really. And, and, it makes so someone sent me 10 uh papa hd sent me 10,000 sats that's about 250 and we we talked about his particular issue for about five minutes on the show so we hope we gave value back mm -hmm. um so he really he paid for consulting give us two dollars and fifty cents for consulting but these other comments in here are basically just this show doesn't get this many emails we never have yeah. gotten this type of emails. And if I, if I bring up the live 
you know, if we if we look at the live, we've got we've got Martin. He's given us ten sats every minute for listening to the show live right now. So ten sats isn't a lot, but if he listens for ten minutes, that's a that's a hundred sats. If he listens, you know, for an hour, that's six hundred. Um, that's you know, it's it's a micro donation, and so that's that's done through fountain. It's done through the app. You can set a per minute donation amount. Mm-hmm. Some people do a hundred sats a minute. Some people do a thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't recommend setting ten thousand unless you're uh, rich, you know, and can afford <laughs> two fifty a minute to listen to the show. We appreciate it if you do that. But right. again, these come in. Um, it's just an ongoing stream of of contributions. Right. See, there we go. And again, if I left this on, people would be driven crazy because every minute we're getting 10 sats. So we're, you know, we're getting uh, two and a half cents, I think is what we're getting every time someone's donating there. But you can see the boostograms. You can see the list of contributors. There's a dashboard. And it, the dashboard actually lays out, you know, Podverse, Fountain, Casamatic, Curiocaster, and Podfriend are the five apps that been, people have been contributing to the show. But it's mm-hmm. not, again, and over the life of this, doing this so far, I've got 2.25 million sats. So over 5,100 payments from 49 different users. So that kind of gives you the cumulative value of this over time. And by the way, you do have to claim this as a tax um, at the end of the year. So be, you know, this is why having a report of how much money you've gotten in is important. Yeah, it's considered to be income, right? It is income, so, right? Right. And if you, when you cash it out, there's obviously whatever form you have to fill up for Bitcoin, your your CPA will take care of that. Mm-hmm. But, and they have a report that you can get that shows you the value by day. Because you know the values change. Like, you know your, what you got that was worth a dollar last year might be worth two now. So, you know there's there's that thing in play as well. But um, would you say that it's it's considered unrealized gains or is it realized gains? For I don't know how the CPA did. I just reported it, but I don't spend any of this. I don't I don't take any of it out. Yeah, because if it fluctuates in its value, it's kind of like owning. Um, stop on Bitcoin. Right. right. Well, it's, it's, is, it's just what you are. You do own. It is a, it is a derivative it is of Bitcoin. a fractional Bitcoin yeah. currency. Yeah. That's, That's right. It's basically what, what it is. Yeah. So if it goes up in value, you don't owe taxes on it un, until, until you convert it until into convert it. a fiat currency. Right. Right. But again, it's not, don't they're fo- trying to change that too. Yes, they are. <laughs> so don't focus on this as a, if you make, big money with this great but it's more about the engagement piece it's more about the thrill that someone's listening either live or on demand and sending you a comment right from the app that they're listening on this is this is the crucial point about this is you might only get two dollars in donations in a week but who cares if you got 10 comments that come in that's the value to you as a content creator that's the wow someone's listening and giving me input even though they're bugging me said where's my stickers at you know it's this is the 
this is the piece to this that makes it interesting. So don't focus on the money. Yeah, as a, as a listener, they're going to have to power their wallet with $20. But at, at, at a quarter of time, you can do a lot of donations. You can right. give a lot of feedback to a show on 20 bucks. Todd, do we know, is there any shows that are, that are paying Satoshis out to listeners as a rewards program? Well, that's what Podfriend is about. That's what, uh, okay. that's what the, um, that's what, uh, Sam, Sethi Sam is Sethi's on. doing. Yeah. So if right. you go over and use Podfriend, um, I can fund to pay listeners. Actually, some people on Fountain, you earn money on Fountain too. So there's, if you listen to shows, you're, I believe on Fountain, you, you earn money just by listening. It's not a lot, but, um, on Podfriend, no, on Podfriend, no, 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 it's the opposite. You pay to listen as a listener. It's kind of a right. unique concept. Yeah. But you not, but there's nobody that's paying listeners to listen. Uh, fountain is fountain is, but okay. I, again, I don't. And if I, if I got it wrong, fountain, I'm sorry, but if they, if they it's not a lot. Yeah. I use the app mostly to send boost. Yeah. Cause then that would be equivalent to like a frequent flyer miles program or something like that. Right. Yeah. And some of my listeners send me just the stuff that they get in earnings on the apps versus putting their own mm -hmm. money into. Mm -hmm. And as at some point yeah. there, I'll be able to go over and like, you know, I could pay, I could reward someone for listening as a podcaster. I can do the opposite. I can make it a value for them to just listen and be able to earn by listening. Whereas pod friend, they want you to, it's basically get in the mode of you as a listener supporting a show and, and paying to listen, which is a unique, right. very, you know, that's, that's flipping the model on its head. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're way late. We are. We're long winded. Today, yeah. David says the listen peaks feel so good, but getting to say thanks would be so much better. I, you know, that's true. And you, we all want to know where people are listening from and we want to engage with them. So. Again, this is a slow uphill climb. You know, there was a certain individual with podcast movement that was not, I mean, excuse me, NAB, that was not happy about podcasting 2.0 and was not happy about the podcast standards project. So there's not everyone is on board with this. I think that reasoning was just because of adoption, right? Yeah. All right. Well, we are long, 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 and we yeah. need to be gone, gone, gone. By the way, Rob, I see, let me double check the calendar here. I have a hard commitment um, next Wednesday. I cannot do the show on Wednesday, but I can do the show uh, another day if you want to move it to another day. But uh, tomorrow, uh, next Wednesday, the third is impossible for me. So. Let me know if you'd well, rather go on the fourth or the, or the second, and we'll see where I can fit it, fit it in. Probably on the fourth might be the better, All right. better choice. Let's see here. Look at the fourth. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm double checking. Do it on the fourth. On Thursday. Here. Hang on, let me look. So on, 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 on Thursday the fourth. Yeah, I can do Thursday the fourth uh, at our normal time. Okay. Yeah. Let's okay. just do that then. All right. Everyone, thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of our little family of podcast listeners. 
And again, go over to podcastapps.com, join the experiment. And then again, the companies that are involved in this are listed um, that have enabled this. I think there's six or seven now. So uh, you'll be able to, hopefully your host will be participating. If they are not, uh, Blueberry would be happy to migrate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rob, you yep. and I need to do a sit down and a walk through too. So let's get that on the calendar. Yep. But, all right, everybody. Okay. Thanks. And uh, Rob and I are talking about some things. We're going to have a meeting about the show. So, uh, (laughs) ways that we can, you know, we can improve the show and things like that if it's possible and if it's practical too. So, yep. All all right. Everyone be safe. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. I better not show them that screen. Uh, Let's try this one. Okay.